We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, it's Johnny, and welcome to episode 104 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I am back in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and Sam is in Viking Town, Denmark. Denmark. It's 9 a.m. I'm having a coffee after a morning walk to Kneehaven. Man, I'm loving it here right now. I'll tell you what, buddy. Brisk air, clean streets, nice people. I'm I'm feeling alive again, buddy. Well, I'm feeling <laughs> that uh, the Danish um, Hagen, what were the worded phrase for coziness? Oh yeah, it's, didn't know that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's actually one of those their design philosophies where I think it's Denmark and maybe Norway, maybe Sweden or something. They have this word that I mean, it roughly translates to. to cozy but really it's like a way of life it's like the way they design their apartments the way mm. that they kind of like their restaurants a place that you can kind of feel like you're at home you know be able to put your feet up feel warm kind of feel like it's winter outside and it's you know warm inside that's that is pretty much exactly what i feel right here and i'll tell you what this city is it's not it's like a peaceful a more peaceful amsterdam uh-huh. it's quiet and after coming from tampa tampa is just a loud place man everyone's got a dog that barks like crazy in your apartment people are in domestic fights across from you i've had some some serious issues with noise since i've been in tampa and copenhagen 8 p.m at night you open the window and it's there's just peace in the air it's really really nice for a change yeah that's nice uh i actually just looked up the word it's huga okay it's spelled h-y-g-g-e huga it sounds like an old Viking chant. Hooga, yeah. hooga, uh, yeah. So, so I'm here. For, I'm here. I'm here for a, a, a conference. And dude, I've never been one of conferences because I always found them so exhausting. But I realized that most of the time I've been going to conferences, it's been I have a very strict agenda or I have to work a booth or something. Now I'm just kind of going, waking up when I want to, popping in, doing a little bit of networking. I really, really enjoy this. Like it's it's invigorating to get out there and shake hands and and make some new make some new friends and business contacts. Yeah, it's definitely a huge difference between working a conference, especially if you're manning a booth and you have to just kind of, you know, be there and like basically sell for 20 hours. <laughs> yeah. Versus be being an attendee. Yeah, versus being attendee, you know, enjoying the talks, walking around, meeting people, hanging out. Yeah, exactly. And when I, when I flew over here, I couldn't sleep on the flight and then I couldn't sleep the night I got here because of, you know, really bad jet lag and a lot of busy things to do. So I woke up at like nine and I'm like, no way, man. I mean, I mean, I literally didn't sleep. Um, I got up out of bed at nine. I'm like, I can't do this. And fortunately, I wasn't working at Booth. So I'm just like, eh, I'm just going to lay in bed till one and then I'll do the afternoon shift. So it makes a huge difference when you don't have that commitment. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, two weeks ago for the Las Vegas Nomad Summit, people were going out partying afterwards <laughs> because it was Labor Day weekend. <laughs> And in our private WhatsApp group for, for the event, you know, people were saying, all right, who's going to go see Marshmallow at, you know, at the Encore Club in, at the Wynn, you know, and mm-hmm. people were, you know, sending photos at like 4 a.m. And, and I, and I remember replying to one of them saying, Hey, remember like the event start, you know, conference starts at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Ah, <laughs> uh, when you're young and you have that, that those hormones that can just eat through your hangover and get you back up the next day. I'll tell you. As soon as I turned like 29, it was over for me. I'm like, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I, it gets progressively harder and harder. So yeah, I was definitely going to bed at like 10:30 p.m. because I had to wake mm-hmm. up earlier to you know to work the conference. So uh, actually, I, I didn't ask you what's the conference about. It's called Tech BBQ. It's uh, it's a Danish tech kind of tech and startup conference. So they have angel VCs here. Then they have you know all the all the successful startups from the Nordics, and um, you know a lot of aspiring students and stuff that want to get in the scene. But it's six thousand people, really good turnout. Very impressed with how the Danes are investing in tech, both on the private sector and also in the, the government sector. And um, a lot of smart people here. I'll tell you one. I think I've always said that Denmark's best export was their brains. 
because you'll meet Danish people kind of scattered around. It's not a big country with a big population, but very smart people, very, uh, very good with design and architecture as well. It's been good to get here and see what they're doing and see what they're working on. Okay. Well, really cool. And the funny thing is I remember six months ago or when you first decided to settle down in Tampa, Florida, you had said that you would not be traveling very much, that you would just be <laughs> chilling in Tampa. That has not happened. Someone in the boss lounge, I think it was Paul Diaz, put an under over on how long I would stay in Tampa. I said it was six months. I'll make a $500 bet or something. I think he's going to win because I think I'm done with Tampa, man. I think I'm out. I feel so good in a suitcase in Denmark. I, I just don't think I'm going to go back. I don't want to go back to the – there's too many headaches there. Every time I, I, I get off the plane, I deal with TSA. They basically rate me as I come into the country and out of the country. And um, I just – I don't think that – I gave it a try. I did the full simulation. I got a car. I got a 13-month lease on an apartment. I got all the furniture. I got set up with all the insurance and everything. So I gave it a full shot, and I just don't think it's for me. So I'm not pulling the cord yet, <laughs> but I'm very likely to be finished after this trip and living abroad again. I literally just spoke to you a week ago on our last episode, and you had just moved apartments. You had just – Again. For a second time. Yeah, second time. You know how painful it is to do it once with like all your own furniture and do it a second time in three months? Yeah, it's not fun at all. You just bought an Audi S5, and you were saying, oh, I love it. I love my new place. I love my car. I'm so happy to be back in Tampa. And here you are a week later. I did. But you know what happened? This new apartment, it's the same thing. I feel like I'm in a, a tin can and people are flicking the can. It's like ding, ding. There's all these just n- random knocks and yells. And I, there, I can, I, like I said, I can hear domestic fighting like to the room next to me and stuff. I don't hear this anywhere else in the world. I don't, I don't think the places in Tampa are built any less good as they are anywhere else in the world, less sturdy or, or soundproof. I just think that it's a much more loud, uh, individually driven society, and it's. It, I have a lot of trouble sleeping there. It's um, it's it's not a very cozy place. Put it that way. They don't got that. So, going. if anyone wants to move into a turnkey place in Tampa, Florida, with an S five, uh, I can give you a sweetheart of a deal. <laughs> you might want to strike now. Wow, it's hot, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I it's Tampa serving a purpose. Uh, it's not, wasn't my first choice to move there. It kind of, it's a functional purpose place, but, uh, we'll see how long it lasts. I'm, I'm pretty cozy abroad right now. All right. Well, I think this is a good segue for this week's episode. This Mm -hmm. is an update on our Airbnb rental uh, episode where, you know, we Mm -hmm. really just talked about not buying a place or not even renting a place full time, but the possibility of, you know, having places where you Airbnb out for passive uh, rental in, you know income have a property manager t- take care of it or an Airbnb manager take care of it and then when we choose we can you know live there for you know however long we want because it's our place we can leave our stuff there we can decorate it the way we want and when we decide <laughs> if we've had enough of the US or wherever the property is we can move somewhere else and that was episode 89 of invest like a boss if you guys haven't heard it, it was Airbnb Income stream investment properties by third party management with Frank Valencia. Very popular episode. So we're happy to have on Frank Valencia again. And we're doing this in a guest host format. We've only done one of these before. It was pretty popular. So we're bringing it back. And if you guys like this episode style, let us know. We'll try to bring on more. Uh, it's going to be a two part interview with Frank and his business partner, Victor. Uh, first part, he's going to do some updates on the industry itself as well as what their management company, Bongo PN, uh, is up to and in the second part uh we're gonna be they're, they're gonna be answering some questions from the boss lounge if you guys haven't joined the boss lounge yet go to investlikeaboss.com click on bonus you can get an invite there uh or you can look for boss lounge on facebook and there's a ton of good questions submitted about you know rent you know renting out properties on airbnb kind of a lot of the, the hard-hitting questions that we can't answer because, you know, we're not property managers in the space, but <laughs> these guys, you know, see this every single day. So stick around for that and, uh, stick around to the very end. Sam and I are going to come back on and we're going to be talking about what we are personally doing with 
investment properties as well as um, where we're living. Um, Sam's, you know, he has a couple rental properties here in Thailand, and I actually just got a new place in Thailand as well. So uh, without further ado, let's take a listen to Frank and Victor, and Sam and I will come back on after. So before anything, thank you guys for having us again on the show today. Uh, I'd like to go quickly over what Bongo does for those who are unfamiliar with who we are and what we do. Uh, at our core, we're a property management firm. Uh, we've developed quite a bit from the last time that we were on the show. Uh, we're now additionally doing to property management, are providing investment opportunities, consulting, and commercial property management as part of our, of our service offerings. Uh, we currently have an active portfolio of, of over 800 properties spanning uh, throughout the continental U.S., Latin America, Europe, and Asia. And uh, that being said, uh, we will be covering short-term rentals and vacation rentals naturally on this show. And uh, this episode is in addition to what we previously covered on the last episode here. So if you haven't listened to it, uh, we highly encourage you guys to take a listen. The concept of passive income has been around for quite some time. Uh, I know that Sam has been a strong advocate of this for, you know, throughout his podcast. And you know, frankly, uh, who, who wouldn't be, right? And uh, Airbnb has become a fantastic way to do this. You know, a big value item that we provide as a firm is that we're able to scale, uh, you know, your business for you, right? Uh, as it relates to the, to the heavy lifting and operations while, you know, our investors and clients are able to focus on, you know, just specifically growing their business. So speaking a little bit generally about the short-term rental industry, uh, specifically about, you know, these last couple of uh, eight to 10 months since we were last on the episode, uh, you know, there has been some, some very unique um, moments, um, very pivotal moments for the short-term rental industry, which, you know, we're excited about. Uh, recently, we, we've had, you know, large hotel chains get involved with short-term rentals. Uh, this was something that, you know, we knew was, was bound to happen. We just didn't know, you know, in regards to, you know, what specific timing it would be, right? So you see these big hotel groups like Hilton, Marriott, you know, the, the big players within the, the, the U.S., you know, see all these Airbnbs uh, pop, you know, pop up right and left. And, you know, they started to sense the competition, you know, ever more so. Uh, we had Marriott uh, a couple of months back open up about 200 uh, Marriott homes. Uh, they did this outside of London, which is a very, very interesting development to, to see, you know, a, a big player like that. You know, first, acknowledge the fact that, that that it is you know an industry or it is a subsegment of the of the uh, hospitality industry that you know it's it's growing uh, to the point that it would you would catch the eyes you know of a big player like 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 Marriott right so uh, from the marketing end we've seen you know big uh, hotel um, promoters like Booking.com, TripAdvisor start to play in, you know, with the short-term rentals and vacation rentals as far as their, of their leasable space. So this was this has been something that's been very interesting to the industry to be able to to, to have it become, you know, so mainstream, right? We're just a big, you know, contributing factor to to the growth that we're seeing, you know, from our end, right, from a property management firm perspective. And uh, one of the things that, that I wanted to ensure that we did with this particular episode is I, I invited us to join uh, Victor Sanchez. He is the operations director for uh, North America. He's had you know, ample experience as it pertains to the day-to-day -day operations throughout you know, several different geographies within the U.S. So uh, he has some very uh, keen insights and some tips and tricks that I think you know, would be a very valuable. It doesn't matter if you're you know, just barely starting with, uh, with short-term rentals or you're at the phase where you have you know, several active uh, short-term rentals. So, Victor, thank you for joining us, and uh, so the floor is yours. Absolutely, Frank. Thank you so much for the introduction. Um, yeah, short-term rentals is such a big um, game right now. People are trying to jump into it. Um, I think what's important to keep in mind is um, that we're basically, what we're doing here is boiling down the hotel-like environment down to a residential uh, environment. Um, what, what people are finding it most important is their experience. You know, when they're going into a hotel, they're finding it uh, very mainstream, very institutionalized. Um, when, when people arrive to a home, it's, it's somewhat of a different experience, an experience that people are mostly looking at um, to, uh, to do rather than a hotel. You know, another point that I would like to touch on is um, that being said, you want to keep your short-term rental as simple as possible. This is what's made um, the game such a beauty. Any, whether you're an experienced investor or an upcoming entrepreneur, this is a great way uh, to to uh, very quickly become a, an, an entrepreneur. Basically, um, you know, whether you want to list your home um, or an apartment or a townhouse, 
um, it, it's it's an easy way to jump into the game and start making some good hard cash. You know, what you want to be looking at is it is a seasonal business and is like any other business could be. But what really helps short term rentals stay up and running is your location. You know, demographics is a huge, important factor in this. Um, but you want to keep it in states like California, New York, Florida, Texas in states and cities that can allow you to offset that seasonality. I mean, you're talking uh, cities that have uh, year-round football games, basketball games, baseball games, hockey games, music festivals, art festivals, um, carnivals. I mean, that, that really helps um, the short-term rental game be so much more profitable than long-term uh, rentals. Um, another thing that is important in short-term rentals, um, as it is in like a hotel business, is that you can uh, manage your prices on the day-to-day. I mean, you can fluctuate your prices according to your market behavior, and that allows your profit margins to just be so much higher than um, than any other industry um, in the same area. Absolutely. And just to piggyback on the geography statement that Victor said, uh, whenever we have our, our, our investors to take a look at, at, at some of our consulting options as it pertains to, you know, um, sending some capital down to, to Texas, Florida, or any of the states that we operate in, uh, it's a price point, right? So the purchasing power is obviously not going to be the same if you're moving from San Francisco down to Austin or from, from, uh, from Miami to, to Orlando. There's obviously going to be different uh, demographies and different you know, uh, a demand for trends in these areas. So being able to understand uniquely what sets that city apart is, you know, one of the big determining factors of whether your, your, your venture is going to be, you know, profitable or not, right? So we are extremely data and analytically driven uh, to be able to understand, you know, some of the historical short-term rental comps, see, you know, how, they're, how, how they've done the amount of listings to see if an area is getting saturated or not. And based on the historical and different data sets that we have, we'll be able to understand, you know, what, what the projections might look like, you know, for a particular property. So, you know, c- coming in, coming into the water and being able to understand, you know, the depth for, for lack of a better analogy is very, very important whenever you're starting to come into this um, uh, industry, right? Uh, you know, the configuration of the property is also extremely important to maximize your ROI. Uh, sleeping capacity is one of the numbers that, you know, determine the, the, the nightly pricing. So being able to optimize uh, with that and other home essentials is, is, is critical to ensuring that you, you are building a, a business that's going to be profitable and uh, ultimately is going to be scalable. One, one of the big items that, that I like to bring forth is it's, it's very easy to fall into the price war ideology. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have some of our clients at the beginning start to tell us, hey, Frank, the neighbor's priced at one, one, uh, 49 and I'm priced at 150 Let's price it at 148 And that really what, what, what it boils down to, again, from a value perspective, is we want to make sure that these properties that, that, that we represent you know, are providing these value items so we are able, you know, to, to, to charge that premium. We are able to provide an experience that the neighbor might not be able to provide. So there are different strategies that are very, very important, you know, to ensure that your property is, is successful, right? Uh, from an investment, from an investment perspective, uh, we work with, uh, Single single property investors. We work with uh, multi property investors with uh, banks, hedge fund style uh, groups. So we really have been you know through through the whole spectrum uh, as to you know several different opportunities. Uh, the two main ones that we deal with the most is we have investors that like to buy properties and rent them out as Airbnbs. Uh, this is a more of a longer term strategy uh, strategy that, that nonetheless does work. Right, we have a lot of the guests that are practically playing, paying the mortgage off. So you are playing that equity game uh, for properties that you know are being very well ran, and you know are, 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 they've gone through the numbers, they've gone through the data, they've gone through you know all the diligence to ensure that the property is placed where it needs to be. You're also going to be building obviously the equity, and you're going to be having uh, a, 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 that, that cash flow, which which is you know something that's that's very lucrative to short-term rentals. The secondary option that we have that we see most investors go towards is the rent to rent option, right? Being able to come into a, a space, lease it, and then sublease it. You know, a, a, a big factor with that is making sure that you're able to find the developer or, or, the, or the apartment complex that's able and willing to do that, which most are not. Uh, another big value item that Bongo provides is that we work with several developers throughout the United States that are short term rental friendly. Uh, these properties are already pre-furnished, so we do have a lot of those options for people that are looking more towards the uh, shorter-term cash flow uh, investment portfolio. Uh, and so, so we we have a lot of different things that you know, for for all you entrepreneurs and all you listeners out there, you know, uh, with, with, with the developments that we're seeing again, 
see the short-term rental industry become more and more mainstream. There are a lot of new business models that will truly allow for that passive in- income concept. And uh, the most important thing for me, at least, is that they are scalable concepts, right? Uh, legislation is another question that I get asked a lot about. Uh, obviously, New York, San Francisco, those states are going to be uh, a little, a lot more stricter than if you were trying to get into something in Florida or in Texas where legislation you know, is, is not as aggressive as it relates to permits and taxes and such. Uh, this is another very, very important thing to take a look at before, you know, making your move. Uh, they, there are developments, you know, throughout several different months uh, within a disruptive industry like short-term rentals and vacation rentals. Legislation, as I mentioned in the last episode, has been playing catch-up at different speeds throughout the U.S. So some are going to be a lot more aggressive towards short-term rentals than other cities. So that is something very, very important as well. And, and, and another thing that I would like to add is I am a very big advocate of uh, ongoing education. Right? And I mean that uh, from a very broad spectrum. And specifically related to short-term rentals, uh, we are at an advantageous point now that you know short-term rentals have become so mainstream. I am seeing a lot more forums pop up as it relates to uh, um, property owners, property managers, that you know, you're able to find a lot of that information that you were not able to find about eight to 10 months ago. So being able to go in and understand uh, the industry before you get in, again, it's a fundamental step. Uh, going out to expositions, we've had, we have an exposition coming up from a home away, uh, Airbnb, uh, sometimes does uh, some, some forums as well. And uh, we actually have one coming up in Tel Aviv, which I will be a part of. It's called Guesty Val. Guesty is a property management software uh, that a lot of property managers uh, use. Uh, I will be out there from October the 8th through October the 10th. Uh, this will be a fantastic conference for uh, anyone with uh, one listing to 800 plus. Uh, so I would look forward to, 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 to seeing some of you guys out there and answering any questions in person that you guys might have. And uh, Victor, I don't know if, uh, if there's any more tips or tricks that, that you would be able to give to, to our listeners today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, aside from, you know, the points that we've made, I mean, I'm just saying that this is such a great business to jump into. It's so accessible and you're still ahead of the game. Uh, Like you said, you know, uh, states like California, uh, Texas, they're still playing catch up on legislation. Uh, But, you know, that being said, a business is a business and this is such an accessible business. You're just trying to provide a unique uh, customer experience. The unique customer experience is already there. You're already providing a unique location, a unique home, um, you know, with uh, specific furniture, specific amenities uh, that are that are you know to, that are put there to your for yourself, your family, your friends, and you know you don't um, have to go through a whole hotel process and and you know jump into the public pools or jump into you know. Uh, shared areas. No, this is you. This is all your unique experience. So if, you know, for all you listeners out there, all I'd say is that this is a great business to jump into. Keep it plain and simple. Furnish that home. Uh, get some good Wi-Fi in there, a good plasma screen for the big games, and then jump into into this game as soon as you can, because it's a great, great opportunity for anybody who's um, an upcoming entrepreneur. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that, that being said, uh, if you have a property you're interested in renting out or would like to see some projections for, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, also, if you know someone that wants to put a property up for rent, uh, we actually have a $250 to $1,000 referral fee for each property that's signed on. So uh, either route, you'll be able to make money. Uh, if you're re- interested in our services, please contact us uh, directly to contact at bongopm.com. Again, that's contact at bongop, like Paul, M like Mary, dot com. Uh, Sam, uh, company, thank you so much for having us on the show again. Uh, we, we, we look forward to, to the ongoing conversation as this industry will continue to develop. I'm sure that we'll be seeing some more exciting things come about. So thank you both for your time. Uh, listeners out there, uh, wherever you're listening from, thank you guys as well for your time. And uh, we look forward to meeting uh, hopefully some of you guys out in October in Tel Aviv. If not, then uh, I hope to, to hear from you guys uh, sooner or later. Yeah, absolutely. To all those listeners out there, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to us. Um, Jump in the game right now. It's still up and running, and uh, it's a great opportunity. Sam, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Now, we wanted to take some time to answer some of the listeners' questions from the Boss Lounge. Uh, We'll get started um, by reading the the name and then the question, and then we'll proceed with our answers. Uh, I'll take the first few, and uh, Victor, if you'd like, you can take the last uh, few. And uh, we can interject at any point if we've, we've got any additional information, right? So from the, the first question that we have is from David Swanner. Uh, it states, what's the best way to limit one's liability doing Airbnbs or short-term rentals? Would you recommend an LLC or an additional insurance policy? 
So while we are not attorneys and cannot provide any sort of legal advice, uh, we have seen a mixture of these by our clients. Several are, cho- several are choosing to go through the LLC or the corporate route to definitely limit liability, while others are doing a combination of this and uh, adding supplemental short-term rental insurance. So r- really in the grand scheme of things, uh, these are definitely additions that, that will provide peace of mind for the uh, property owner. The, the next question is from Warren uh, Donyar. I apologize if I mispronounced your name. Uh, it states, how do they find places that are all open for short-term renters? I have a friend who's making uh, twenty to $25,000 a month renting his place in Santa Barbara, but the city came down and shut down all short-term rentals. So the answer to that is just depending on the city and municipality, uh, the local government is able to require short-term rental permits uh, via the channels, right? So Airbnb, HomeAway, TripAdvisor, they'll require whenever you're posting the listing to input a permit number. Uh, so for instance, the city of San Francisco actually has a short-term rental office that verifies permits for any active listings. Uh, they work directly with the channels to ensure that the permits that are being provided are actual live permits. Um, if they're not, I know that the fines go up uh, quite significantly um, by, uh, by day. So the easiest way to avoid these headaches is just to verify with the city prior to, prior to having your listings go live to ensure that you're meeting all the requirements that the city uh, has, right? The next question we have is from Mr. Chris Harrison. It states, do you know of any way to find and acquire an Airbnb rental that is already operating and producing consistent yields? For instance, I would love to buy a rental that has one plus year of Airbnb and a few dozen positive reviews uh, and a year worth of uh, rental income to compare against the purchase price. So they're like, uh, Chris is basically looking to buy a turnkey business with a predictive yield. So to, to answer that, uh, absolutely. I mean, we, we do this ourselves. We have properties for sale that have a proven financial track record. Uh, this way, you're truly stepping into a situation with hard historical numbers and tangible projections. Uh, this is something that from the beginning and alluding back to the first uh, uh, show that we had here in Invest Like a Boss, um, this was something that, that I knew was very attractive to investors to take a look at something that has historical returns and projected returns um, w- without getting into something you know big as, as, as an investment property uh, without having all of this data, right? Next uh, couple of questions, as a matter of fact, is from Mr. John Sullivan. First one states, many cities across the country are passing laws to impose hotel taxes on short-term rental income. Uh, He states, which is 15% and up in most cases, like in San Francisco and Boston. How will this affect future Airbnbs from an investor's perspective? And is is it even worth pursuing with the margins tightening because of this tax? So as we have previously discussed, geography is pivotal uh, whenever you're making an investment decision for short-term rentals. Large cities are most likely to impose these uh, types of restrictive laws or covenants. So there is definitely opportunities out there worth pursuing, but one has to be very diligent about the laws prior to investing. So kind of getting the lay of the land you know, in detail before making a move is uh, very, very important. Uh, like like, like we have previously discussed, we work with several investors hand in hand to ensure that all of this is, uh, is um, mapped out before making any sort of purchase. Uh, next question from John. Uh, how can a condo owner in a condo building in a, in a major city convince the trustees of the association to allow him or her to rent the unit on Airbnb, given that the condo uh, documents are, are on most, cases, most cases will not allow for this? Uh, are there any tactics or strategies to pursue, uh, persuade them? So this will vary tremendously from property to property. Uh, generally speaking, when dealing with homeowners associations or any type of other uh, governmental associations for uh, apartment complexes, condos, or, or homes, their laws are primarily intended to keep all residents safe, prevent any sort of nuisance, right? So noises, smell, parties, and so on and so forth. So ultimately, it really comes down to how strict the, govern- the governing association is. Uh, when no one is being harmed or bothered, or bothered, um, you know, some will kind of just turn a blind eye to that. Uh, however, needless to say, it's just a lot easier to ensure that everyone is on the same page with this prior to having anything start. Uh, we, we've had some properties not wanting to take the perceived risk and other asking for supplemental insurance. So like I said, it'll just vary from, from property to property. But this is why we work with developers that are already, already short-term rental friendly. Uh, so that, 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 that headache can, uh, can not even be a thing, right? Last question that we have here from John. When an investor buys a property to rent on a typical year-to-year lease, it's easy to research rental comps via the MLS or other resources like Zillow, for example, to confirm the cash flow if they will work to the uh, perceived ROIs 
However, with short-term rental, uh, there is no valid data source to uh, research such comps. Given this, how can an investor who wants to purchase a property in a given market project future income potential? So we actually have an analytical consultation service that does this. Uh, Being that we are one of the largest short-term rental firms uh, globally, we have access to a lot of different data sets, including our own private data and obviously our expertise, which allows us to provide very tangible projections uh, as as it relates to historical performance, live performance, and projected returns with our algorithms and our revenue analyst team. So uh, we are very, very uh, analytical in the way that we operate. Uh, we have access to a lot of public data and a lot of private data. Uh, we are able to, to put all of this together to really make a, a, a sensible um, understanding of a particular geography, a neighborhood, or, or even you know, specific properties themselves, right? So uh, we are able to provide this insight. Um, Victor, if, if you'd like, you can, you can continue on the next couple of questions. I don't know if you have anything to, to, to add to uh, the answers that I've, I've given so far. Yeah, absolutely, Frank. Thanks. Uh, I think you pretty much covered uh, very well, you know, the answers to your questions. Um, I'll take the next couple. Uh, The next uh, question is by Phelps Tracy. Question is, generally speaking, which countries do you see the greatest opportunity currently for Airbnb rental yield and in which city? So definitely that by far the United States is the country that generally has the best yield rentals, uh, the best rental yields. Um, if we go into gross revenue, you know, the cities that perform the best would definitely be San Francisco and uh, New York City. Uh, but uh, Phelps, just keep in mind that tax laws and expenses will be higher in these cities and uh, in other cities that you would be considering. Just keep in mind those expenses. Um, the next question is by Paul Diaz. Question is, do you think it would be a beneficial for service to exist for people who Airbnb their condos properties out? when they are not allowed by their condo board that would be that would deactivate their listing during the day or set times when the condo managers are working and checking Airbnb and then to activate the listings again at the 5 to 7 p.m. range when the condo managers go home at the end of the day. Good question, Paul. Um, like Frank said earlier, uh, it's a lot easier that all the rules uh, are being followed and that, uh, you know, just according to our experience, it, it's just you will be avoiding a lot of immediate and long-term problems like penalties, fines, and possible evictions. In our case, we do only operate with residential areas, condos, and complexes that are short-term rental friendly, and uh, we comply with all city, state, and federal laws. That will uh, save you a really big headache in the long run. Next question is by uh, Leonard McGill. Um, The question is, the liability thing is big. I found an insurance company that specializes in insurance for short-term rentals. They seem like the real deal. I got the insurance after listening to the Boss podcast on how often real estate investors get sued. So one question would be, has anyone vetted insurance companies dealing with short-term rentals? Also, I live in Charleston, and they just implemented some new laws that, are, that made owning several Airbnbs nearly impossible. You have to be at home while your Airbnb guests are staying at your place. Exclamation point. Any hacks to get around these limiting laws? Or is it just best to look elsewhere to run Airbnb business? Um, We have worked with several short-term rental insurance companies, and they will vary in coverage, depending, of course, on the city and state. Um, And we do have several recommendations for our clients. We do also uh, look for the least complicated, more short-term rental friendly city and state. However, uh, we are able to assist in the permitting process. And we do look at this on a case-by-case basis. Leonard, thank you for your question. Um, Let me move on here to the next one. Beck Webster. Question is, we are hosts in Australia and have been for two years now, have back-to-back bookings and all great experiences so far, but what could could we be doing to protect ourselves in the event of someone trashing the place or injuring themselves? I vaguely looked into Airbnb insurance, but couldn't get my head around it. Also, our, our rental space is a granny flat behind our residence and it's 10 centimeters under legal height. So when we took out home content insurance, we knew that Airbnb space was excluded. Any advice? Uh, yes, absolutely, Beck. Um, adding supplemental insurance will always provide an additional peace of mind. And uh, I would encourage you to reach out directly to Airbnb and talk to them uh, regarding their insurance policy in detail as it does relate to Australia. That is very important. And if uh, you have any additional questions or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us directly. Um, and let's see, I got one last question here by Sem Maltsev. 
question is, what do you think about the New York real estate market? What examples would be the best from an investing point of view? Is it possible to buy a condo and be profitable in cash flow? What neighborhoods to look for? If you happen to have clients from New York, please provide brief examples. Thank you. Absolutely, Sam. So our uh, clients and the properties that we have in New York City, uh, we do think it is a fantastic city to operate in and it can be very profitable. However, it's very complex with its permits. You have to keep an eye out for that. Um, it is possible to be profitable with uh, condos if it's properly managed and uh, correctly marketed. Those are my two pieces of advice there. Our properties in New York are primarily mid-sized apartments and condos that are fitted for business travelers and tourists alike. Uh, that is what's given us our best results for um, the property that we have in New York. Definitely a phenomenal city to operate in. Thanks for your question, Sam. Uh, Frank, I don't know, if, uh, did I miss anything or would you like to add anything uh, to, the, to the answers to, my, to the questions? I, I think we're good, Victor. Th thank you for clarifying those uh, questions. If anyone has anything in particular or, uh, or very specific that would like to reach out to us, uh, we would be more than happy to, uh, to, to reach back out. Uh, our website is www.bongo, B-O-N-G-O, P like Paul, M like Mary.com. And uh, you can reach out to us at contact at bongopm.com. Thank you guys for your time. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys. Thank you. All right, big thanks to Frank and Victor for answering all those great questions. Those are some pretty hard hitting, you know, hitting questions. I I love that people in the Boston lounge don't don't hold back. They're just like, yeah. what can we do to make some money? Put it on a plate for me, baby. Put it on a plate for me. I enjoyed that. I thought that was great. A good good way to engage the audience and get all those listener questions in. And shout out to Frank and Victor for coming on and answering those. I kind of like that format. I mean, I know I'm a little biased, Johnny, because it takes some of the pressure off of us of doing it, but if if you listeners out there like that format and there's other guests that you'd like us to have back on to host a similar episode, let us know and we'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah, let us know in the Boston Lounge or if you know you have any suggestions to change it up or if you hate it, just let us know as well so we can tailor yeah. these episodes to you guys. For sure. So, Johnny, excited about the opportunity or passing? You know what? I desperately want to get into real estate. <laughs> it's the one asset class that I'm not really that invested in that I just keep thinking I am missing out. There's so much to miss out on. And on paper, let's say you, you bought, you know, a rental property and you rented it out, you know, for, to be cash flow positive. Not only are you getting your mortgage paid off, so you get equity. So at the end of the, you know, 15 or 30 years, you get a free house. You know, not only do you get all these tax benefits of you know owning a place, you know you can write things off, depreciation, you know the expenses. There are so many benefits, but I just cannot get myself to do it because I don't want to deal with the potential headaches or liability, even having a property manager or a management company like Bungo PM. I still see real estate as the number one way for anybody out there to create wealth. I think it's the surest way. To do it, I think your your probability of becoming wealthy through real estate is higher than entrepreneurship. I think entrepreneurship, you have the ability to make serious, serious fu money to, in you know three to five years, which in real estate it's going to be it's going to take you longer to do that. But we all know that the failure rates of startups and entrepreneurship can be pretty high. Uh, I think real estate has so many benefits and I'm, I fall in the exact same camp as you, Johnny. I just, I haven't pulled the trigger on doing more. Although I, I have about 20% of my portfolio in, in real, real estate. So it's not to say I'm not, but this model for me continues to be extremely attractive. I continue to look pretty much wherever I am, especially in the States at the opportunities in real estate and trying to find, uh, a property to do this with. But I just know from my own experience of just getting set up in Tampa, furnishing a place, dude, I, I don't want to do that at all as a business or for me personally. What I want to do is everything I want. It, I want it to be turnkey. And I think there's going to be a big business and just turnkey in the future, whether you call it co-living or has some other, you know, or it's just basically Airbnb. I think there's a big model in it in the future because, Everything that I've done in Tampa requires continuous maintenance and servicing, whether it's the TV or the, the furniture or 
whatever. There's like, there's so many bills to keep track of. Right. And like I said, I had one little bill slip through, get mailed to my parents. I forgot about it. And then all of a sudden, three months later, it's in collections and it banged up my credit score. Uh, but you're talking like sewage, maintenance, uh, insurance, cable, internet, uh, did I say trash? Uh, then you have like on the car, you have car, car insurance, uh, you have like all these little things that continue to, to pile up. The more stuff you get, the more stuff you have, you have to continue to maintenance and pay bills on. And a lot of it, you can't even like, for instance, my, um, uh, my power and electric, you can't set that up for automatic billing until you have two years of, 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 uh, history paying for it. Right. So every single month I have to log in and manually pay it. So it's not all like you just set it up once and forget about it. Um, so these things take time. I think this model is excellent. What would be appealing to me, Johnny, is if someone brought an opportunity to me, it was like, hey, as Frank talked about in this episode, like they have turnkey properties. So someone said, hey, here's a property. It's got 100 reviews, five stars. It's yielding 12% right now. Uh, and it's under this management company. But you, you take it over, you can use it three months a year, you can lease it out, uh, you, you can rent it out the other nine months, turn a profit, like something like that, I think would be really interesting. Um, but I just I don't think I'm gonna go out of my way to hunt one down and, uh, and try to set it all up from scratch. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And actually, you know, what's funny is, uh, I have a buddy that I should probably introduce you to this guy named Austin, who he has a bunch of units in Vegas, they're these big kind of five bedroom plus um, you know, kind of Vegas houses that they rent out, you know, they have a pool. Some, some of them come with like a Tesla and yeah. he, nice. yeah. And he's, he's been crushing it these last couple of years. I've seen him with his updates You know, I met his business partner, smart guy. Um, and I think they're looking for, you know, for people to put some money in so they can, they can scale it up. So they, so the way that they have it set up, it, you're talking, you get, you get a place, you get a car, yeah, I think, I, think, there, I think the so the car is optional, but yeah, they they, okay. they have it available. So I think what, what's an awesome model for the future, which someone's definitely going to do, is it'll it'll literally be like a, a turnkey life setup. So let's say you're going from San Francisco, and it could be tailored to nomads or business travelers. But let's say you're going to San Francisco for two months. You go there, you have the apartment, you have the car, you have the co-working space membership you have the gym membership and maybe like one or two other things right depending on what you need so when you get off the plane everything is is arranged for you and it's possible for someone basically to hack that right now by just putting up listings and if someone books you go out and you get a place on airbnb you get the car through toro you go out to the co-working space and buy a month-long membership or a membership for however long you want like there's enough flexible options available to give someone a turnkey setup you just someone has to go out and package it all together, but yeah. that to me is so appealing. If someone can put that together, you have definitely a customer in me, um, because getting all these things and getting set up in a place is the biggest barrier to to the lifestyle, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I think there's a huge market for it in places like San Francisco, you know, or places that you know people want to go for at least a few months to test it mm-hmm. out, and but they might get tired of it and want to leave. <laughs> So I can see that, you know, being great, especially because I'm sure this is the same in a lot of countries, but it's annoying staying in the U.S. for a few months because you have to set everything up on a contract, on a one-year contract, whether it's your gym or your internet yeah. or your, you know, your bills. Uh, for example, my, Tell me about it, buddy. My parents. Tell me about it. <laughs> you know, yeah, when I was home, I remember on the last episode, I was, you know, complaining that their AT&T you know, internet is 70 bucks a month and it's 1.2 megabytes down 0.3 up. Mm. It was so bad. It was so terrible that I looked around and I found a great option for them. You know, luckily their, their address qualified. So I signed them up for, for Sonic. It's been two weeks now and they still can't get an appointment to have them install it. It just, they're just, it just takes forever. And luckily, yeah. you know, with Sonic, I, I don't, I don't remember if I had a one year contract or whatever it was, but I mean, it's not something that you can just show up and do because if I moved to the U.S., I couldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to wait two or three weeks to get internet. I, I would want it then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's and the companies that the companies and representatives that you're dealing with are usually not that happy of <laughs> of a person to talk to either. Yeah. So l- let's compare that to me moving to Chiang Mai. So I just got back five days ago, and I I rented a hotel for you know the first four nights for like. 10 bucks a night or something right in the city center 
right when I arrived, I was, you know, I started taking Grab, which is their, their version of Uber now. And I looked at a few apart, I looked at a few condos. I rented one and said, okay, you know, I'll move in in two days. Please have everything set up. It's completely furnished. They, you know, all the utilities are on already. Water, electric, you know, uh, everything is, is done. There is mm-hmm. free building Wi-Fi, but I wanted something faster. So they said, don't worry. Um, you can go with Cynet, which is their local version of Sonic. And it's month to month. There's no contract. The only annoying thing was they said, oh, you know, can you just stop by their office to, uh, to let them know? But it was two blocks away. I walked in two minutes later. They're like, okay, yeah, we can be there tomorrow. And mm-hmm. they came in within 10 minutes. I was set up with 100 megabytes down, nice. 40 megabytes up for, I think it's 16 or $18 a month, no contract. And they're super nice people. They're people so they come nice. In, they take their shoes off, they bow to you, they smile the whole time <laughs> that they're doing stuff. They're so, yeah, they're super friendly. They're just like, you know, these cool guys just showed up on time. Yeah. I, th- I think, they, if anything, they were 15 minutes early. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure in the U.S. they'll never be on time. It's like, you know, like the odds of them yeah. showing up during their 10 to 4 window is pretty small. Oh, dude. I had – you ever heard of Spectrum? Oh, God. They're terrible too. All those they're companies like, are terrible. Like, they're like the new com- They're like new Comcast. We, we had them come set up for my new apartment and they're supposed to show up from 8 to 10. They didn't show up from 8 to 10. We stayed there till 2, never got a call. We called them. They're like, oh, um, uh, looks like someone will be there at three. So we stayed till three. They didn't show up. So we left at four. The idiot shows up at four and doesn't even give us a courtesy call, just shows up to the door and then calls us when he's at the door. He's like, hey, I'm knocking. No one's here. I'm like, well, no, no shit. No one's there. We left. He's like, OK, I'll come back tomorrow. Eight to ten. Didn't show up tomorrow. Eight to ten. We called the company and the company's like, uh, we don't see anything scheduled for today. And that that particular person's off today so no one can come today i'm like okay great we just wasted our entire weekend waiting for you here and you guys haven't even given us a courtesy call to let us know that you're not going to be there so they come the next day and install it you know it's like standard stuff yeah that's great and i bet you're not getting 100 megabytes down for 18 dollars no contract no my it's internet and cable is 140 a month oh my god yeah yeah so i have like this is all i have like all this is at least a one to two year commitment between my car and and this um you know, this condo and stuff. So it's, it's, it's really hard. Like people that have been in the U S for a while, or even in a lot of other countries, this is kind of normal. You used to it, right? I never really fretted it when I lived in the U S before I moved abroad. But then after moving abroad, the ease of doing things is, is, is actually in most places is, is much more so. Um, and especially in, in Asia. So it's really hard going back from having things such so flexible and generally easy to, rigid and you know long these long-term contracts it almost feels like it's it's like these chains that are just kind of hanging on you they really are and it's voluntary you know indentured servitude that we're, we're giving these companies <laughs> right and so, i mean i've the I've capitalism watched, yeah. is real my friend it it's is real and you know and yeah. here's the thing is like i'm paying now 465 dollars a month Mm-hmm. And this place is amazing. I have a video tour I just put on johnnyft.com and it's a beautiful condo. It's like it's on the you know on the top floor, floor to ceiling windows. I have a view of the city, but there's like forest everywhere around me. I have you know I have a huge TV, I have a, you know a kitchen, a washing machine, I have a separate bathroom. I have a swimming pool at the at the condo. I have a gym. It's just a really nice place that nice. would in you know in Florida or New York or California it would easily be a minimum twenty five hundred a month if not four grand a month in the more expensive cities. Yeah, that's what I'm paying. I'm paying, I'm paying with all the, everything in for my place. I'm paying twenty three hundred with like cable, electric, everything. Yeah, so. and it's like the value here is just insane. And to be honest, it I is. actually. I actually thought about buying a place and and um and then re- or buying a rental property and renting it out. So this actually ties back into the episode. I spoke to the lady that's I guess the owner of this unit. She's an Australian woman. And so the reason why I chose this unit not only for the nice layout, but she used really high like high-end furnishings, like really nice sheets, 
the my bowl. I was like, why is this a bowl so nice? And I look at the bottom and it's like bone china, you know. And I'm like, okay, so like she's clearly put quite a bit of money in here. And I asked her, like, you know, uh, kind of for some of the details about the rental because I was I was curious. She said it it's been sitting empty for four months. And she's and I asked her how long you know do you know has she calculated her ROI like when she's gonna get her money back and she says oh you know they they told us like around you know roughly ten years or so and I just thought about it and I was like you know what if I was living here year round or if I knew I can rent it out you know eleven months of the year or twelve months a year it might be worth it yeah but having the flexibility of just being able to you know walk in rent it for four hundred fifty bucks a month with you know short term contracts and no headache. Why would I buy a place? Yeah, I think you're doing the right thing. Okay, thank you. See that? The nice, nice Danish maid came by to let me know my door was slightly open. She's pretty cute too. I gotta be honest. T- tell her a manga talk. Ooga, <laughs> ooga. No, I think you're doing the right thing, Johnny. And I, just being an owner of, of units there, personally, I'm not renting mine out because. Uh, cause I can get about four, well, I'm running one out to a super nice Japanese guy that's been there for like three years. He's like the, the world's best tenant. You never hear from him, pays everything on time. And in three years, he's never had one complaint, but for the other rooms I can get like maybe 400 bucks a month for, it's just not worth it to me to have to deal with turnover, any type of headaches, having more people in the series. I like kind of a quiet building, you know, I don't want to put anyone on that building through, you know, have, have them have more work. Uh, so I'm not actually renting those out for that reason. But I think if you're going to get into the, the real estate game in Chiang Mai, you got to buy one of these. You, you can buy these units for like forty, fifty thousand in some of these really rundown buildings or older buildings, and then renovate them, make them super nice, and then you can still rent them for like four or five hundred bucks, and you're probably all in for like sixty thousand or seventy thousand. But if you buy these new units that are going for like one fifty. You're just never gonna. It's gonna take forever to make your money back because you just can't rent them for more than four or five hundred bucks. Yeah, and I noticed that the units I've been looking at, they're you know three million Thai bot, which is you know one hundred mm-hmm. hundred twenty thousand dollars plus, and it just it doesn't make any financial sense. But you know, to be honest, I actually mm-hmm. did consider looking at those units that are a bit older because I don't think they're actually gonna bottom out in price anymore. Uh, especially, you know, because a lot mm-hmm. of them are in really good neighborhoods. And I, it'd be nice for me to just have a place where I can just kind of keep my stuff year round. Uh, but at the same time, yeah. a storage unit is much cheaper than, you know, keeping a, an apartment. Yeah. I will say that I, I really like having my one place. Oh, I have, I have three places in Chiang Mai. Two of them just sit, but one of them's rented, one's vacant, kind of used as an office when I'm there. But I love the feeling of having, like you said, a closet there. And just knowing it's turnkey, even though I'm only in Chiang Mai maybe a couple months a year, it gives me a little bit of warmth knowing that I can go to Asia anytime and I basically have a home. I don't have to think about it. I know everyone in the building, you know, everyone that works in the building, they're like a little bit of family to me. Um, and I don't have to I don't have to go get stuff out of storage when I, when I show up there. So at some point, it might be worth it to you just for that fact. But I don't think it's a good financial decision. But the amount of time that you're spending in Chiang Mai each year, Johnny, it's it's as close to a home as anywhere for you. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know what? After talking to you, I'm I'm gonna, I'm 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 gonna I take a look again because it'd be fun to have a little project. Yeah. Gonna, and I'm by gonna, the way, dude, I just I just saw your your post today on uh, of your net wealth. It continues to go up, which is really impressive uh, because mine doesn't. And <laughs> we had this conversation in Spain when we were doing our road trip, and you're like. Dude, you should be making like $78,000 a month. <laughs> yeah, well, but I'm not. You got to you know what? It's, it's good to see it's good to see yours continuing to improve. Someone even mentioned on, on the or comment on yours like, "Dude, you've tripled your wealth uh in the last couple of years. That's incredible." So, yeah, yeah congratulations. I mean, to be fair, for this last year, especially with personal capital, it was because I mm-hmm. I didn't input all the the sources. I like I forgot a few. And I keep yeah. you know, like just today, so the post in the in the boss lounge or on my Facebook. Um, I'll, I'll put it in the boss lounge right now so you guys can see it. But basically I found five grand and I had invested mm-hmm. with Realty Mogul, uh, who was on the podcast, uh, earlier. Yeah. And I completely forgot about this investment. And my post was basically about, you know, the, the, the need to always buy stuff and like, 
it's kind of normal for, at least for me, to just always want to shop and just be excited. And that was episode 61, if you guys want to take a listen to it. Uh, it's a, it's a way to buy e-reads and, you know, a way to, you know, buy, um, kind of these online real estate, ter- you know, mm-hmm. hands off investments. And the nice thing about spending five grand on this instead of spending five grand on a car or on a, you know, on a trip or furniture or something is that it's an asset that is, you know, continuing to grow. It's paying dividends and it feels good. It feels nice. I mean, honestly, it's kind of a way for me to buy real estate without having to, you know, deal with anything. Uh, yep. And speaking of, you know, the kind of the headaches with it, I just met a guy, a digital nomad, uh, who just moved out to Chiang Mai, or at least, you know, someone wanting to live the, the nomad lifestyle. This guy named Howard. He just got out here and he was telling me that, you know, he can stay here for, you know, basically forever because he has uh, rental income through his properties in LA. But, He's super stressed because, you know, they're going through like a lawsuit right now to evict a, a terrible tenant, you know, and, you know, some of his units aren't, you know, there's like, there's just, you know, tassels and, and, and things to take care of back home. And, and ask, why you know, why don't you just have your property manager do it for you? Because, you know, they can go to court for you. They can evict the tenant. They can do the lawsuits. But he said, you know what? It's a, you know, it's a big sum of my money. It's, you know, I'm personally invested. So even though they can take care of it, it's not their money on the line. So I have to be, you know, emotionally involved step by step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, hopefully it gets it sorted out. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of litigation in the USA, as we heard on the episode with Scott Smith. I know the la- that was actually a really impressionable episode with a lot of listeners because some of the questions that went into this episode for, for Frank and Victor were based around litigation and kind of mitigating that type of risk with real estate. So if you guys haven't heard that episode, go back and take a listen to it. It was episode 96 with Scott Smith. And for, for realty shares and some of the other ways that Johnny and I invest in real estate passively, uh, we use Fundrise, Realty Shares, Peer Street, and links to all those in the show notes. If you guys want to check them out, we've been happy with all those. Actually, how, how was your uh, realty share investment performing you said you found five grand i assume that's the principal you put in yes it was real realty mogul and i actually didn't invest until july so it's only been a few months i got my first dividend which is 27 bucks not very much but uh i think it's a growth REIT, so it's not it's only supposed to pay four and a half percent but it has potential of building equity and, and cashing out in five years so we'll see what happens that's cool you know the fundrise stuff that we invested in so the Yields have been going down a little bit on the, each quarter, so I've been a little worried. But I actually took a look for the first time since we've owned Fundrise, and we, we always speak pretty well about of Fundrise. They pay out quarterly dividends straight to the bank. And I took a look, and you can actually see the NAV, uh, the net asset value of those funds that you're in. And the growth fund that I invested in, I think I put 125K into it. The NAV, I think they, they look at the NAV every three months and they reevaluate it, the nav is up like eighteen or twenty thousand on that on that. So hypothetically I should have an eighteen to twenty thousand dollar gain once once those assets are sold, which is pretty awesome, right? Because it's still yielding like six to eight percent each quarter now. But eventually when they sell those assets, they're ho- hopefully if the market's still doing good, there'll be a, a pretty big capital gain there. I love that. This that's incredible. And you no, know, that's that's what we want, right? We want to take advantage mm-hmm. of the equity upside, uh, as well as the monthly kind of dividends or interest. So, if you guys know yeah. of any other you know investment platforms that are pretty hands off that have you know kind of the double dip feature of being able to get some money from it now, but also build up some equity, let us know. Let us know in the boss lounge. Uh, we mm-hmm. appreciate all of your feedback and the conversation. Uh, also, if you guys want to check out what your net worth is and as well as keep track of all the different investments that you guys either are making right now or will potentially be making sign up for personal capital go to investlikeaboss.com slash personal it's free to use it's safe it's super easy as long as you remember to actually plug everything in <laughs> what's nice is once it's there it just automatically calculates in real time your exact net worth you know you don't have to log into eight different accounts or 20 different accounts like in our cases uh, so check them out investlikeaboss.com slash personal and big thank you to everyone who's been leaving these new five-star reviews of the podcast on places like iTunes and 
you know, Google and kind of wherever else you guys listen. Uh, this week, I want to give a shout out to Professor T. Uh, he says, five stars. I like listening to this podcast. The two hosts are talking about real ways to invest and they try out the waters for us. Sometimes I wasn't so sure about some investments and listening to the podcast gave me a better understanding of many new investment platforms. Go ahead and subscribe already. So if you guys haven't subscribed, like it. make sure you guys subscribe now. Tell a friend. Let us know. And uh, Sam, it was, it was good chatting with you this week. Good chatting with you too. Shout out to Victor and Frank for coming on as guest hosts. Guys, if you liked the episode, uh, let us know or give us any of your feedback. And also, if you guys are using Bongo PM or any other type of management company or have your own Airbnb stories, shoot us an email. Let us know the details. We want to hear these stories. I know there's a couple people that have actually started working with Bongo PM already, but this is continues to be an asset class that I know a lot of listeners uh, are, are paying attention to and are interested in, as well as Johnny and I. So if anyone has success stories or horror stories that they've had doing this model and cracking the Airbnb business, let us know. We'd love to hear your story. And with that, I think we're summarized for this week, Johnny. It's been a pleasure. Have fun in your new in your new castle in uh, Chiang Mai, and look forward to chatting with you next week. Manga talk, Sam. <laughs> See you guys Huga. Huga. all next week. <laughs> bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at bestlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.